Session 315 Chapter 2 Verse 284 A Continuation To God belongs all that is in the heavens and the earth, and whether you reveal what is in your heart or conceal it, you will have to account for it to God, who will pardon whom he please and punish whom he will. For God has the power over all things. Chapter 2 Verse 284 To reveal what is in your heart means to turn your thoughts and feelings into action. How about when you conceal it? Does it mean to keep your feelings to yourself and not to act on them? Not always. Not every feeling can be translated into practical action. For example, the feelings of love. You may love someone and not get a chance to declare your love. Thus, there are deeds which settle in the heart and remain there. Does Allah hold us accountable for such thoughts and feelings? The answer to this very important question requires depth and reflection. We know that some of the Prophet's companions had struggled in this regard. When Abdullah bin Umar heard this verse, he wept and said, If God punishes us for our thoughts, we will surely perish. So did Ibn Abbas. Afterward, God revealed the following verse. God does not burden any soul with more than it can bear. Each gains whatever good it has done and suffers its bad. Chapter 2, verse 286 Let's get back to the question, does God hold us accountable for our thoughts and feelings? We answer that, while there are countless thoughts and emotions, we can narrow things down into five different categories. First, there are fleeting thoughts. Second, there are daydreams and fantasies. Third, are deep thoughts. Fourth, is intention. And lastly, determination. The first four categories often do not have any real-world outcomes, while the last one, determination, is when a person's plan becomes evident. Now we will address each condition in detail. A fleeting thought comes to the mind once and then disappears. It does not leave any lasting impression. While a daydream or fantasy is more developed and stays in the mind for a while. A deep thought is something you turn over in your mind and look at from different angles. It may resurface several times as you discuss the matter back and forth within yourself. As for intention, it is the first serious step towards considering action. You look at the means available to you to put your dreams and fantasies into action and fulfill your desires. Whereas determination is the end of the thought process and the start of the implementation phase. The phrase, whether you reveal what is in your heart or conceal it, you will have to account for it to God, refers to determination. Many scholars have questioned whether this verse has been nullified by the verse which followed it. In other words, the verse, God does not burden any soul with more than it can bear, may offer us relief from the burden of thought accountability. We answered that God only nullifies verses related to past religious rulings. He does not nullify matters of creed or verses narrating historical events. The verse under study, verse 284 of the cow, does not fall into the category of a religious ruling. Thus, it cannot be nullified. The determination to do something is an act that God will take each one of us to account for. 
The verse continues, You will have to account for it to God, who will pardon whom He please. Wouldn't you like to know the people who will be pardoned? Allah gives you the answer in the following verse. Except those who repent, believe, and do good deeds. God will change the evil deeds of such people into good ones. He is most forgiving, most merciful. Chapter 25, verse 70 Perhaps the first thing that gets your attention in this verse is the phrase, God will change the evil deeds of such people into good ones. How could this be? Does God really change the bad deeds of a sinner into good ones? The answer is simply, yes. But there are conditions. A person who has committed a sin has to feel sincere regret and correct his or her action in order to be rewarded by Allah. Those who possess knowledge say, perhaps a sin which leads to feelings of regret and humbleness is better than obedience, which leads to feelings of honor and arrogance. Here is another example to clarify why God would change the evil deeds of such people into good ones. Most Muslims have never drunk alcohol in their lives, so it is very easy for any of them to pass by a bar or pub without noticing or feeling any desire to drink. However, a Muslim man who used to be an alcoholic, then repented and gave up drinking for the sake of God, would feel very differently. Each time he passes by a bar, he would feel the urge to drink. Each time he sees a beer advertisement on television, he would struggle to control his desire to drink. This daily struggle, done for the sake of God, earns this man God's reward. God will change the evil deeds of such people into good ones. You often find that the good in the world comes from people who have indulged into some type of sin, which they later regretted and repented from. Take the example of a woman who has a weakness for gossip and bad-mouthing people behind their backs. After many years, this woman repents from her sin and vows never to speak ill of anyone. Allah, the All-Merciful, forgives her. However, she may still be haunted by her sin and feels a constant need to do good deeds to make up for her past. For years, this long-forgiven sin may push the woman to be generous to her neighbors and volunteer to help the poor. Thus, much goodness around you may have come from those who have wronged themselves in the past. Be careful not to pass judgment on someone who has indulged in sin and repented. On the other hand, a person who had never indulged in sin may not feel the urge to go the extra mile for others. In explaining the phrase, God will pardon whom he please and punish whom he will, some scholars said that God left the matter of forgiveness to us. In other words, if you want the Almighty to forgive you, then be sincere and increase your good deeds. This is further evident in the following sacred narration. On the authority of Abu Hurairah, who relayed that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Allah, the All-Merciful, says, I treat my servant as he hopes that I would treat him. I am with him whenever he remembers me. If he remembers me in his heart, I remember him in mine. If he remembers me in a gathering, I remember him in a gathering far better. If he draws near towards me a hand span, I draw near towards him an arm's length. If he draws near to me an arm's length, I draw near to him a mile. 
And if he comes to me walking, I go to him running. Allah put the initiative in your hand. All you have to do is be sincere in your strive to get closer to your Lord. Remember that Allah did not limit you to the five obligatory prayers. You can turn to Him in prayer at any time you wish, at any place you see fit, and speak to Him on whatever is troubling you, because His door is wide open, for He, Almighty, never resigns until the servant does. Contrast that to our worldly life. If you want to meet the President or the Prime Minister, you would have to request an appointment first. In the unlikely event that your request is approved, you would have to schedule a time that fits the President's schedule. You may have to submit a written outline for the reason of the meeting. Perhaps ten minutes into the meeting, the President would stand and tell you that the meeting is over because he or she has other things to do. A poet said, Being a servant of the Almighty is enough honor for me. I am welcomed by the Lord without an appointment. He is on His holy throne, and I am at the time and place I like. The Messenger said, My Lord, my people treat this Qur'an as something to be ignored. Chapter 25, verse 30 Do not abandon God's book. Please take a moment to subscribe and to share with your family and friends. Visit us at www.qur'angarden.com